You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, FA Nation? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast. Back with you this time talking running backs. We have the running back questionnaire today, Coop. Last week we did the wide receiver target totem pull. This week, talking running backs, why don't you give everybody a little bit of a peek at what exactly the running back questionnaire consists of? Yeah, so these are tools that until now have been behind the scenes. This is the first time that we've ever busted out the target totem pole and the questionnaire to actually share with people. These are things that I used in my own analysis, in my own game, to get myself to think outside the box. So we talked about the totem pole. This is the questionnaire. And basically the idea is that there's five different situations where you use a running back. Right there's first down, the guy that goes out for the start the game to start drives. Then there's pass downs, short slash goal line situations. And then there's two late game situations. One, the two minute drill when you're playing from behind. And another is late lead, right? When you're winning big and you're just running out the clock. The reason that those are separated the way they are is that the situations change at the end of the game. So if you're in like the first down situation guy, if you're winning by 20, you might be putting in a different guy than who you started the game with, even if the guy is the best at just kind of running out the clock. Same with pass downs versus two-minute drill. In two-minute drill, you can't sub guys in and out of the game. So you need to have a guy that you can trust for pass blocking, that knows the playbook, that knows the audibles. It can often be a different guy than you might have ideally on pass downs. So to me, those are the five situations. And what we're doing with this questionnaire is we're going through each team and kind of trying to figure out who's going to be used in what situation, not only so we can try and identify who could be every down bell cows, but also to figure out who might assume what role if someone gets hurt kind of as a primer for the position and to help figure it out. What we're going to do is we're going to go through it here on the show. And then we're going to just like the target totable post an article with the full layout in there. So hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you can go and actually look at it while you're doing it. See where you agree or disagree with us. John, yeah, if you're yeah, ready, let's get for into sure. it. Let's, uh, we're going to go down this, break down these teams by uh, alphabetical order. Easier to do it that way. Easier to keep track of. So Arizona Cardinals, first team on the list. You look at their running back depth chart. No Chase Edmonds there this season. Instead, James Conner uh, looking to be the featured starting running back. Hoop, we got Connor, we got Benjamin, we got Daryl Williams, we got Keontae Ingram on their depth chart. How exactly do you see this one breaking down? I think we know for sure Connor's going to be getting that goal line work after being such a touchdown machine last season in that short yardage. Yeah, so three. I think, in my opinion, three of the five are settled pretty easily. It's going to be James Connor on first down. It's going to be James Conner in the goal line. And I looked it up last year. I pulled up the splits. And anytime they had a late lead, it was James Conner by a mile. He outtouched everybody in those games where they were up big. So he's going to be the late lead guy as well, almost certainly. If they did it last year with Chase Edmonds, they're going to do it last year with these guys. The question is, who's going to be the pass down? Who's going to be the two-minute drill? James Conner's kind of a capable back. And if he knows the playbook better than the other guys, he could be the two-minute drill guy. But I think they are probably going to use somebody on pass down. Out of Benjamin or Daryl Williams, Who you? if you had to take a stab on somebody, John, who would you go with as like the pass down option? I think Daryl Williams is going to have it. We, Patrick Mahomes talked glowingly about Daryl Williams in the pass game for the Chiefs. I think they made that that signing because they don't really they don't really believe in Eno Benjamin too much, in my opinion. You know, Benjamin had to sort of slide into a role out of necessity, but I don't think you make the signing of Darrell Williams without the intention of playing him. 
Yeah, no, I agree on that. And there was a lot of hype in the dynasty community about Benjamin. And then in the draft, he didn't go that early. I think he's a fifth or sixth round pick and he hasn't really seen a lot of runs. He's like slow and so, undersized too. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's the case. And then we also, at the end of the chart, we include guys that we think might benefit from injury. I think that Keontae Ingram, the rookie this year, he needs an injury to James Conner and then a little boost potentially to get that run down. But we mentioned him there. And then if Daryl Williams goes down, maybe he knows the guy there. But yeah, I think that's our bet on that. But keep an eye on it early in the season. Could be somebody you add off waivers if Eno gets that role over Daryl. But James Conner's probably the lock for the bulk of the important work. Yep, I'm with you there. Atlanta Falcons, Cordero Patterson back with the team this year. They drafted Tyler Algier. They they signed Damian Williams. We're expecting Cordero Patterson obviously be the lead back. But I think the conversation between Algier and Damian Williams is one to have. You know, Williams has sort of bounced around different teams. A lot of the fantasy community is kind of hyped up about the idea of Algier. But again, he was a late round draft investment, Not not really a ton of metrics with him in my opinion really jump off the page Williams we know can catch the football he can run the football he's had some short-term success in the NFL notably with the Chiefs at times with the Bears how are you feeling this Falcons backfield breaks down yeah I mean in our minds I feel like we think of Cordero Patterson as a pass catching back probably because he was drafted as a wide receiver but the reality is that towards the end of the year last year it's pretty clear that he was better than Mike Davis and he was kind of doing everything so the way I have it now is of the five roles, Cordero Patterson first down, Cordero Patterson definitely passing downs. In short line, short and goal line situations, I don't see why it wouldn't be Patterson unless someone can claw that away. And in an offense like this where we don't think it's going to be that great, I'm not sure even having a two-down plotter, whether it's Damian Williams or Tyler Algar, like whether that dude is really going to be somebody you can ever depend on. Two-minute drill, it's Patterson lately. I think that's where they probably would, if they do have any late leads, would bring in the rookie and see what he's got. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, Williams is always the interesting prospect because he has the same size as Algier does, but Algier ran a four six forty at the combine. Williams ran a mid four four. So like you were talking about a guy that five eleven two twenty five had a little bit of punch, can catch football a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he got some of that short yardage work. Again, I'm a little bit more bullish on Williams. The team isn't committed to him at all, obviously. But again, if you're just looking at what they have invested with Algier, it feels like more of the fantasy community, again, taking a look at what the backfield situation for this team is. Anybody could really just come and take this job, it feels. Heck, Corderell Patterson, a wide receiver, came in and took that job. But again, just a fifth round for Algier last year for out of the draft. So I wonder exactly if we're just buying into some of the camp hype or if Patterson's really going to, if he's really ahead of Williams on the depth chart. Yeah, the, I mean, t- with Tyler the Algier, it's that shiny rookie situation, right? Like people just want the unknown. They want to stab at it. They want him to come out of nowhere and just be this crazy thing that he's probably not going to be in this offense. So I'm with you on that. I think that in your normal leagues, 10 to 12 team leagues with like five or six bench spots, you're only drafting Patterson and you're leaving the rest of these guys with the other two maybe deep best ball plays where you're just trying to differentiate yourself from everyone else. I mean, if you're the one person taking Damian Williams with a last round pick, and then he just turns out he's the, that Mike Davis wasn't a real professional running back and Coral Patterson just got the job by default. And it turns out Damian Harris is the only real pro on the team. I mean, that could be a sneaky way to differentiate yourself. So I don't actually, I don't mind that play. And just looking at this on the questionnaire, it certainly pours cold water on the rookie a bit, just knowing that Patterson's probably the best at most of these roles. Yep, 
I'm with you. Baltimore Ravens, the next one. Again, an interesting backfield here. J.K. Dobbins expected to be ready to go. Gus Edwards now, however, may not start the year active. Could be on the pup list as they both come back from their injuries. We know Dobbins, of course, is going to be the lead back here. They brought in Mike Davis to add some depth. They have Tyler Beatty. Gus Edwards at some point will come back. We know how effective he's been over the course of his career. This one seems pretty cut and dry for me. When Dobbins and Gus Edwards are back healthy, we know the roles that they play. Dobbins, for me, for sure, is the guy that's going to get most of the work. Yeah, and if we were being honest with ourselves, truly being honest, and maybe we should, I don't know, as this evolves, so like I said, it's this is the first time it's coming out to the public. As this evolves, maybe we should start putting like guys like Lamar Jackson on the short line, short goal line work, guys like Jalen Hurts, we'll talk about later, because they really take a bulk of those carries, you know yeah. what I mean? But, you know, in a vacuum, if they, let's say their quarterback was Gardner Minshew or somebody, it probably would be Gus Edwards in the goal line work just because he is huge. He's a big player. He's 240, built like a cement mixer, and he's his yards per carry, even getting them on a short yards that he does, is like 5.2 career yards per carry. So he's a player. But I think you're right. First down is J.K. Dobbins. Pass downs is going to be Dobbins. Sorry, everybody. Justice Hill is not happening. Gus Edwards maybe in the short yardage. J.K. Dobbins in the two-minute drill. I think it's got to be. Late lead is when you might see Gus or Tyler Beatty or somebody like that come in and get some touches. But I think for the most part, Dobbins is the guy you want. Yeah, I'm with you there 100%. Buffalo Bills. Uh, this one kind of hurt my soul a little bit. Singletary, James Cook, Zach Moss, maybe, but unlikely. I was all in on Singletary after last year. The way he finished, it feels like the team realized they needed a more balanced approach. Singletary was up there already. You and I were talking about it during early best ball, during some early preview of ADP. This is a guy who wanted to target in the 7th, 8th, ninth round. And then they go and draft James Cook. And yeah, basically this guy started to fall on Singletary. I think he's starting to rebound a little bit more. I think people are realizing that Cook is not going to be there for the majority of the early down work. But I think, again, this is a lineup that's pretty set in stone. Singletary getting the early down work. Cook's getting that passing down work. Yeah, it seems to be the case. I mean, but at the same time, we don't know for sure if Cook's going to get the passing down work. But given the narrative and them spending the draft capital, they tried to get J.D. McKissick. They brought in Duke Johnson, and I doubt Duke Johnson's going to be the guy. Poor Duke Johnson never really getting a shot out here, despite being the all-time leading rusher for the prestigious Miami Hurricanes. I think you're right. I think it's Singletary on first down, Cook on pass downs. Singletary's the guy. Two-minute drill last year, they used Singletary as the guy. He got pretty much all those snaps. That's going to boil down to whether James Cook can pick up on pass blocking. I think he's undersized. So maybe they do go with Singletary. Like I said, you can't sub those guys out. That's why a guy we'll talk about later, J.D. McKissick, stayed in there on those downs, even the rundowns, because you don't have time to be switching guys out based on the play. So it could be Singletary there, and then late leads probably Zach Moss. But James Cook is always going to be interesting based on the rookie and being a pass catcher, but and his, really- and his brother, the lineage, of course, he's got that. He's got that dog in him through the family. Yeah. But, uh, it's like, John, we say it all the time. We, we just talked about it with the Ravens, but Singletary in another world where he doesn't have Josh Allen. I mean, a kind of a guaranteed he touchdown so, from five yards in. Yeah, but he started getting touchdowns at the end of the year. Like, I think they realized they needed a more balanced approach. Obviously, Allen's going to run for his share of touchdowns. The Singletary down the stretch was, was scoring. So I, yeah, I tell you, once they had that division locked up and they stopped using their quarterback as a battering ram right. for a bit there, huh? Yeah. But I, even in the playoffs, though, even in the playoffs, didn't Singletary yeah. scored, scored versus our Pats. He's an interesting player. Again, if it were a different quarterback, like if Josh Allen were to get hurt, 
I would move Singletary up my rankings. Oh yeah, up. the whole offense changes yeah. obviously when Josh Allen gets hurt, and, and yeah. Cook too, because they would they would probably throw to him a bit more, like just changing up the yep. offense. Who's the backup quarterback in, in Buffalo? I don't even know. The backup quarterback in Buffalo, he got some time last year. It is oh no, they brought somebody. It's Case yeah. Keenum. Who they brought it? in Keenum. Case Keenum. So okay. not even yeah, a bad. Yeah, yeah, because it was Trubisky, but he's not there anymore. It was so. Trubisky, and they still have Barkley, I think. But Case Keenum's a pretty good player. Yeah, not I, bad. Yeah, I kind of like. Bad. He was the Browns' best quarterback last year. So yeah, Baker Slander yeah. never ends. Anyways, yeah. Panthers. This one's uh, this one will be quick. As long as he is healthy, Christian McCaffrey is never coming off the field for the Carolina Panthers. Across the board, man. They pay him sixteen million dollars a year, which is high. Not even no one is even close. So you just use him that way. I mean, I guess you you could argue that Donta Foreman in a late lead situation might play a little more, but at that point, McCaffrey's probably already put up enough points that you don't worry all about that. And right. I've how seen you, them close out game. You, you have him over Dante Foreman. I don't, man. Foreman played well, man. Foreman played great last year, filling in for Henry last year. I kind of liked Dante Foreman as the next man up there, but in Chuba did not play well filling yeah. in for CMC. So I think the handcuff you want there, if you do that, I don't really do a lot of direct handcuffing of my own players, but if something happens to CMC, you run out and get Don Foreman. And there's a lot, there's a camp out there that's avoiding CMC because they're predicting some sort of injury in the future. Those people should probably be interested in Foreman. I just don't predict injury and I don't handcuff my own players. So right. not going to go there. Yeah. My, my one thing I always try to tell people like, sure, you can handcuff Christian McCaffrey, Don Foreman if you want. They're not even in the same stratosphere of production right. level. Like Don Foreman is not going to catch football. And I think that's what, I think that's what helped Don Foreman a little bit with last year was, he filled in for a batting ram run game, right? They, they, he filled in for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry goes down. They just started handing Don Foreman. Offense stays the same. Christian McCaffrey comes off the field. Don Foreman can't run the same offense that Christian McCaffrey is being a part of. Those are, always had, my, those are always my hesitations there a little bit. Foreman had nine receptions last year, yeah. which is his career high. He has 18 total in four years in the league. So. Yeah, so that's uh, something. That's at least something, and we talk about this all the time. Like you can't, when especially when you're in our Discord, and you're like, oh, should I handcuff? And so it's, you can, but understand that I would almost rather draft a than draft a handcuff, unless you're talking like elite handcuffs, like a Madison, a Pollard, somebody that you know is going to come in and be that stud. Drafting Dante Foreman because you have Christian McCaffrey is almost a wasted pick, in my opinion. So yeah, yeah, you want guys that have standalone value, and if anything, draft other people's handcuffs because at least it gives you some value there. Next team is kind of interesting if you're believing the camp talk david montgomery for the chicago bears across the board is someone that shouldn't really ever leave the field but new coaching staff talking about potentially wanting to mix in khalil herbert a little bit more we saw herbert last year have success when montgomery went down i think i don't know if we're gonna get 70 plus percent snap share out of david montgomery i think they're gonna find ways to get herbert involved because they're just talking about it too much if it was like a one-off comment that you heard during mini camp where they're like, oh, we want to get Herbert maybe a little bit more involved. They're like, all right, man, can't speak. That's fine. Well, now we're like two weeks in the training camp. They've already gone through a preseason game and you're still hearing like they want to get Herbert more involved with Montgomery. I'm kind of leaning a little bit more where I still think Montgomery's the guy obviously starting. He's the guy with the lead. Two minute drill, probably short down, probably like all of those check the box for D Montgomery. But, you know, if we start getting 65-35, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah, exactly. And that's why th there are some limitations to what the running back questionnaire can do for you. Because, of course, there's never going to be just one sheet of paper that tells you exactly what the entire league is going to break down into. But you make a great point in two things. That it can be split down the middle where the name Montgomery can be the guy that you think is the best for first down, best for pass down, best for short line. But they use Herbert to do the same thing. So it's split down the middle. 
Um, and additionally, with Justin Fields, we looked, we've talked about this before, but you look at Luke Getze, the one time he actually was calling plays in 2018 from Mississippi State, his quarterback ran 221 times in 14 games. So we've seen it like with the Ravens, where when the quarterback's running, it dilutes the work, especially in the past game, for the running back. So even though David Montgomery is across the board green here for the five roles as the best guy, that's the reason he's not going super high in drafts. Now, that being said, he's one of the few guys where that's in his range of outcomes. Some of these backfields are clearly split. Whereas there's a, I mean, there's a possibility that Montgomery is just a starter and he's the guy and he gets a ton of snaps. So uh, he does have kind of interesting upside in that dead zone range. Yep. I agree with you. Cincinnati Bengals next team on the board. Joe Mixon obviously is the lead back. I think the real question is really between the pass catching work. Samaje P. Ryan had that job last season, but we also identified Chris Evans. Let's give ourselves a pat on the back there last year, Coop, as a guy that could find his way into some sneaky value. He did get on the field. He's actually pretty efficient when he was throwing the football as well. And now there's some talk that he could supplant P. Ryan as that third down back this season. Yeah, and I think a big part of that is, I mean, when you go back to the Super Bowl, there's no question that putting P. Ryan in the game there and leaving him in the game there contributed to them losing. I mean, I hate to say this guy lost the game. He had back-to-back opportunities, both on a pass and a rundown, to get that first down, and it didn't happen. And the coach, Zach Taylor, came out and said that the running back coach came to him and said, should we put Mixon? And he made the call not to do it and clearly said that he regretted. That's one of the reasons that we mix it so has much. said as well. He's like, I regret allowing the coaches to take me out of that game. So exactly. And Taylor was like, we got down. Taylor even basically indicated that they got down low in the play clock. And had they been quicker, they would have made the switch. To me, that's a reason to move mixing up. I think that they've acknowledged that he's the best player. And I, that's why on first down, he'll be there on, I think in the short and goal line in the two minute drill. And in the late lead situations, they'll either use him or they'll mix in the other guys. But the question is whether on pass downs, they really want to have a pass down back or not. I think Evans is the most interesting. He's the guy that flashes the best in catching. Yep. P. Ryan does best his block. That's not really helping us a lot in fantasy. It's right. getting what did we talk about with Evans last year, too, was that we, when we're looking for these late round guys, we're looking for reasons that they fall. And Evans was a guy that fell in drafts. He had, I think he missed the year due to eligibility. There was reasons why in Michigan he sort of found himself with a lower draft stock, but all of the measurables are there. Everything was really there for him to sort of fill out that role. Year two now, same system, and they speak highly of him there. So I, it would not shock me if he takes that job. Yeah, he's interesting, but, you know, Mixon's the guy. Yep. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, we, yeah. we want to talk about everybody, especially a lot of people this time of year are still doing real deep best balls. That's a stab. Yeah, 100%. Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Need you say more? I mean, everyone knows how it works. Nick Chubb, first down, goal line, and late lead type situations. Kareem Hunt's the pass down guy. And the beauty of that situation is obviously that for the injury benefit section, when with other teams, we're like, okay, if this guy gets hurt, maybe this guy comes in for early work or blah, blah, blah. That's not how it works here. If one guy gets hurt, the other guy gets the full job. We've seen it a couple times on both sides. So that's an easy one, and we can move on. Yeah, for sure. I think we could probably move on the next team as well, Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott, despite what everybody wants, is the guy that's going to be on the field for 90% of the snaps. That's not true. Probably 70. Tony Pollard will get out there for pass down work just occasionally. He's not a good pass blocker, but you know they do throw him the football. What are your thoughts here on, on the Dallas Cowboys backfield situation? Yeah, I will make a note on this, though. So even though Zeke played double the pass snaps last year, 
and he had a higher average up the target. Pollard's more of been a gadget type guy where they get him with end arounds and they get him in, with the screens. But people think he's this like amazing pass catching back. He's not really in the past. He hasn't been running a lot of routes. This year, what they're saying is that they want to get Pollard on the field more at the same time as Zeke. So in the slot, maybe two back sets. That doesn't necessarily take away from Zeke. I think Zeke is still the best guy for all those situations, especially because of his he's so good at pass blocking that they need him on those pass downs. But this for the first time this year, I'm obviously drafting Zeke as ADP, but I'm kind of interested in Pollard if I'm diversifying a little bit. He still goes a little too early because the hype he's is... He's only going two rounds after Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, the hype so. never stops with that guy. But, you know, I think that if they... How many times have we heard them say a running back's going to play slot and it never happens in the history? Still of, waiting of, for... Kareem Hunt last year was playing yeah. slot during the preseason or whatever training camp. Never materialized. The only one I would maybe believe it is Travis Etienne. Now that it seems like James Robinson's good to go week one. So yeah, get to that. Yeah, we'll talk right. We're close to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sorry, jumped ahead a bit. Yeah, Kareem Hunt last year, for all the talk, played 15 snaps at slot. Only yeah. 15 on the season. He played 12 wide, 12 out wide, 15 at slot, over 200 in the backfield. Like it, it just you know what Dallas happens. Dallas certainly that, needs the wide receiver help. They got, they don't have much right. else after Lamb and, and the rookie there Tolbert at the moment. But it, it's the same thing that happens in a lot of sports where it's you realize how niche these positions are. And at the end of the day, they just probably have a better slot player than Kareem Hunt or Tony Pollard. They have professional wide receivers, a bunch of them that have been playing it their whole lives. He needs to be. So, then the guys that are special enough to play slot are special enough to play full time. Christian McCaffrey can play slot, but he's too busy playing a full time running back. We'll see what happens there, but. Could be interesting. Zeke, I think, is still a steal, just given what his role is. Let's see. The Denver Broncos, I think we may be running into the resistance here a bit, Coop, because you and I were big Melvin Gordon fans. Our own Howard Bender has been telling us that Javante Williams is the guy. They have the outside zone running scheme now. Javante Williams is the guy. And then yesterday, to our dismay, Melvin Gordon comes out and says that they want Javante to be the guy. So... How do we handle the Denver Broncos backfield now? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, the situation has always been that Javante is like the heir apparent and he's going to get a little more work. The question is whether Javante is worth his ADP and whether Melvin is worth his. And there's a world where Javante gets on the split is 60-40 and Javante's not worth his and Melvin's worth his. Howard Bender has a tremendous eye for talent. He brought us Nick Chubb. He's one of those guys that you and me more analytical. He has that eye. So when he says he likes Javante Williams, I trust him. I think Javante Williams can be great. I just think that with Melvin there, there's a possibility that they both do a little bit of everything. Last year, they in games where they both were healthy, Melvin missed one game. They played 194 pass plays and Melvin played 193. Like it split. It was split pretty squarely down the middle last year. We'll have to see. I think Melvin's still kind of a sneaky pick. But I mean, when you hear... Melvin come out. He sounded kind of sad talking about the situation. He, the way he was like, I'm going to play my hardest, but sometimes <laughs> the writing's on the wall or you know what they're saying. I mean, the, if you're a Javante fan, you have to be, you have to look at that and think, okay, like this guy is winning this job outright. Definitely boost for Javante. And it's why in the chart, you'll see that Javante is going to be listed as the guy for every situation, right. except for maybe they do use Javante as a starter. If it's a late lead situation, they're not going to give Javante, if they're winning by, let's say they're winning by three scores, they're not going to sit there and give Javante 30 carries, give Melvin five. They're going to no. give Javante this, 20. This could, be a, this could be a time where Gordon maybe gets two to three series a game at, at most probably, right? Yeah. Get, maybe he finds his way into the six to eight carry a game range and Williams handles the rest. We'll see though. We yeah. Just because Gordon says they want him to be the guy, we still don't really know how the breakdown works. 
there. And when you have two cable backs, that's the thing is that it caps the ceiling for Javante in the sense that why would you give one guy 40 carries, even in a blowout when you have another guy? So Melvin might be the kind of guy where if you think the Broncos are going to steamroll a team, then he's a decent play because both guys are going to go off. But I think if it's a tough game, then you might not want to go with the guy that's going to get fewer carries. I agree with you there. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens come end of camp. We'll see if maybe Melvin Gordon's not even in Denver. Detroit, DeAndre Swift said he wants to be a thousand yard rusher, thousand yard receiver this year. Yeah. I mean, I feel if you asked any running back that they would say, I want 2000, I want every carry. I want to be the guy. But the difference is I think Swift could do it. He's the guy that like he across the board is going to be the guy that's the best option for first down pass downs goal line, two-minute drill, the whole deal, right? Like, he's the best option. The problem is he's yet to play a full season. Two years in a row now he's been hurt. So I think Swift is a guy I'm taking at the swing. I like him a lot, especially in full PPR. Just know that if he does go down, you're probably going to have probably a committee. Jamal Williams will do pass down. They love that guy over there. He's a good team player. And then it's all the guys on that depth chart were decent last year, whether it's Craig Reynolds or Godwin, I don't know how to say his last name, or even Jamar Jefferson. I mean, they're kind of deep over there. Yeah, they are. That's true. Obviously, I do like that at least it's kind of set to where the roles that these guys are going to be playing. Same thing with the next team. Green Bay Packers, we know what Aaron Jones does. We know what A.J. Dillon does. Yeah, Aaron Jones on first down and pass downs, A.J. Dillon. I mean, you look at the pictures of the guys next to each other anybody could say that guy's going to run it on goal line because AJ Dillon looks like a truck. The interesting thing that came out recently though, was Roger said both guys could get 50 targets. The wording on that is, is strange. And to him in his mind, he's thinking that's a good thing for both players. But to us as fancy gamers, we're thinking, why am I paying the price for Aaron Jones for 50 targets when I could wait and pay the price for AJ Dillon for 50 targets. So to us, to, in his mind, he was like, Oh yeah, even right down the middle. It's good. But to fantasy gamers were like, wait a second. I mean, we did see Dillon catch football last year. So no, he did definitely possible. I think, I don't think I'd buy that. I think maybe Dillon probably gets like a 30 catch range and Jones maybe in the 60, 70 catch range, but we'll see. But again, we know the two main backs are there. We're not really worried about the guys behind them. Houston Texans is one backfield that's quite interesting because rookie Damian Pierce has been lighting it up in training camp, lighting it up in preseason games. They brought in Marlon Mack. Many expected him to be the lead back at least for a little while. And they still have Rex Burkhead, who broke the slate at the end of last year with what was like a 35-point fantasy game. So you have them three sort of battling out for different roles within this backfield. Yeah, I think Rex Burkhead's still going to maintain a role on pass downs and potentially the two-minute drill, especially because he was there. We talk about how you have to know the playbook and you have to be trusted to be in that two-minute offense. I think he probably has earned himself that role just by being there and knowing the situation and also being a pretty good pass-catching back. So Rex Burkhead's kind of sneaky, late best ball type situations as a pass-down guy and a two-minute drill guy. The real question is, who's going to be the starter? And the very first snap of the season, it's not probably not going to be Rex Burkhead. They're probably going to go out like most teams send out your best rusher. Is it going to be Marlon Mack? Is it going to be Damian Pierce? But we don't know yet. That's in the chart. We're probably going to have both listed for that first down role there. And I think, again, Damian Pierce being the unknown becomes more interesting to me just because we've seen enough Marlon Mack to know what he is. We don't know for sure what Damian Pierce is. So it's just a little more exciting, a little more fun to pick him, right? Yep, a backfield that is uh, not very exciting because, again, another one that's fairly straightforward, Indianapolis Colts, Jonathan Taylor, leading rusher last year. Naeem Hines will fill in on the passing down work, and that is about all she wrote. 
It's easy, man. And they weren't scared to lean into Jonathan Taylor and big wins just to make sure they would win. I mean, the Colts were a good team. They played a lot of close games, but they won a lot of them. They didn't really ever get blown out. But Taylor was just that good. So. Did you see that uh, today they went 0 for 12 in goal line against the Lions? That's not good. Last year, they didn't do that. Let's just put it that way. So we'll see, man. Yeah, but I think Taylor's locked in. Hines technically had more targets than Jonathan Taylor last year. And by technically, I mean, I, uh, he did. Taylor played every single game. So Naheem Hines on the chart he is in that pass down role because he plays a pass down he plays a pass down role yeah, they gave him contract extension last year and that yeah. where some people with jonathan taylor only had 40 catches yeah christian mccaffrey had 37 catches in six games taylor had 40 in 17 so i mean it is the one knock on his game but it people said just like in dynasty where people were picking between clyde edwards hilaire and taylor people were like oh i want the pass catching for hilaire and other people said taylor is so good that it doesn't matter and last year it turned out that taylor was so good that it didn't matter so that's kind of where i'm at with taylor is that i'm willing to go christian mccaffrey over him in full ppr but you can never walk away from a draft being disappointed that you got jonathan taylor yeah, I agree with you there. Jacksonville Jaguars alluded to it a little bit earlier. James Robinson looks like he's going to be on path, a path for week one. Travis Etienne has been the hype machine all offseason with the idea that Robinson may not be ready. We saw the preseason game while we were at the uh, Fantasy Football Expo there, Coop, and Etienne actually looked pretty good. He impressed me a little bit more than I was uh, expecting. He did drop an easy pass in the flat. I will hold that against him, but how are your thoughts now shaped around this Jacksonville backfield knowing that Robinson's going to be good to go? Yeah, I mean, so this is where you have to get into an article that I consider to be a Hall of Fame article. There's only a handful of them where I sit there and say, these articles are special. Obviously, Sean Siegel's zero RB article in 2013 is one. Scott Barrett wrote an article where he mathematically proved that reception targets are more valuable than carries, even in standard. But in so in standard, he proved that a target is 1.36 times more valuable than a carry. That's in standard. In PPR, it's 2.74 times. So for me, even if James Robinson is the starting running back on the first play of the season, I still would, I prefer Travis Etienne. I think we should all be drafting it that way because he's going to get that pass catching work. He's going to have the cool gadget plays drawn up. The only thing James Robinson could hurt him by being the goal line guy and the first down guy. But I think Travis Etienne offers a level of upside that Robinson can no longer compete with. Like I just don't think unless Etienne gets hurt, they're going to say James Robinson gets all the work. I think it, it it could go the other way where Etienne is so explosive that he just becomes the Alvin Kamara in this situation. He takes all the work. Yeah. But James Robinson has never shown the kind of pass catching prowess that Etienne has. So that's the guy you want, even if Robinson is the quote unquote starter. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Next team is where one gets certainly a bit interesting. Kansas oh, yeah. City Chiefs, they have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they sign Ronald Jones, they still have Jarek McKinnon, but it has been the, what was it, the seventh round pick, Isaiah Pacheco, which has just been just lighting it up uh, along the interwebs, Twitter, people loving it. We're getting all the reports at a camp about how impossible he has been to go, uh, cover when uh, splitting out of the backfield, he's running hard. How are you drafting this now Chiefs backfield. I, I saw something that said Pacheco the other day in a high stakes league over on NFC it went as early as round this month. I'll tell you, man, I am drafting him. I especially I just took him super early in Raz in uh, not Raz Bowl draft with Giants, but that also has points for punt returns and kick returns, double points for those actually. So that's kind of a cop out. But I am drafting him in best ball. I'm drafting him wherever I can, honestly, because this type of hype is exactly how we felt about Alvin Kamara. 
right? It was, they had Mark Ingram, they brought in Adrian Peterson, but neither of those guys were super exciting. And then all this exciting news came out about Kamara that they were like, this kid is coming from the bottom of the depth chart. He's making all these plays. He's going to be, they're not going to be able to keep him off the field. And then that's how it worked. They traded Adrian Peterson away. Mark Ingram still had a good season in his own. I think he was also an RB1 that year, but Kamara was just special and the team was good and the quarterback was good at distributing the ball. Drew Brees. And now we have that kind of similar situation where like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he could be fine. Ronald Jones could be the Adrian Peterson in this situation that gets traded away. And I think that he really could be that guy. I mean, you see a hype from a lot of guys I respect. J.J. Zacharyson, Matt Kelly, the guy's a player profiler. They're all on board. I'm on board here. I think we got to be on board. And this is the one where when you take him in your hometown league, everyone's going to look over and be like, there's the sharp guy. There's the guy who's out there listening to the top dogs. I love the pick. I'm willing to do it. The question is, are you still interested in Clyde Edwards-Lair? Are you taking Ronald Jones anywhere, John? Like, By all re- some reports I've seen, Ronald Jones is the last on the depth chart right now. He's, so. yeah, he's dead. He's dust. Yeah, so that's unfortunate because I thought there was some potential there for Ronald Jones at the very least to be a big, sort of like the big goal line back because Clyde Edwards-Lair has never been that guy. They used Darrell Williams in that role. I thought, and nothing else, that's a Jones spot. Get him inside the 10. He could run the football, but... It seems like Pacheco now obviously has the size. He has that rare speed too. He ran a sub 4, 4, 40. Some crazy measurements there, measurables by Pacheco. So no, I'm out on all of those guys, really. I don't really want any part of this backfield outside of if he's available at a spot where I'm comfortable taking him. I guess Pacheco would be someone in the later rounds I'd look at. Yeah, and if he turns out to be Darwin Thompson 2.0, then I'll never trust a Chiefs running back again until Andy Reid retires. I've made similar similar comments. Yeah, I made similar comments about that, but the difference that was pointed out to me, of course, was just the size and the speed that Pacheco brings versus what Darren Thompson was bringing to the table. How come nobody drafted this kid then? What's going on? I agree. Best comparable for like best seasons for a guy like this was Chris Carson was a guy that he's either a sixth or seventh round or an undrafted guy for Seattle. And then his second year in the league, he ran 1,300 yards, so... Yeah. yeah. I'm in, man. He's got cool hair too, which is my fiance's number one category for picking breakouts and she's been amazing at it but picking draft king lineups with zeke and alvin Kamara back before anybody was she he meets all he checks all the boxes man i'm in all right the los angeles chargers austin eckler is the the core guy here the question really is i've heard reports that joshua kelly is actually the number two running back right now he's outperforming isaiah spiller uh, Isaiah really? Spiller is obviously the rookie that is getting some of the notoriety. How are you, what are your thoughts on this backfield? Yeah, so I, I honestly thought that Spiller was the next in line. I mean, he's being drafted that way. Obviously, Austin Eckler is a star, and he's a first-round pick in all formats, especially PPR, but he's never had a 1,000-yard rushing season, so that does leave the door open for somebody to come in and contribute. Joshua Kelly is a guy you and I liked. Larry Roundtree is probably dust at this point, but... Spiller's been getting a lot of hype, so that's kind of interesting. If there's any sort of split between Kelly and Spiller, then that crushes both their value, right? The only way one of them is going to, with Eckler being healthy, the only way one of them is going to be relevant is if they run around, run away with that early down role, and it also includes some goal line, because otherwise you can't possibly trust a guy like that. So it will be interesting to keep an eye on. I'm rooting for Spiller, but if it's Joshua Kelly, then, you know, Joshua Kelly and I'm on board. So we definitely got to uh, keep an eye on that battle as camp moves on. Yep. 
100% agree with you there. Los Angeles Rams. Cam Akers is the uh, the guy we know they're going to be going with. Daryl Henderson's going to be involved times between the two. I've heard, I mean, both are dealing with injuries. And we've heard McVay say they, they still plan on using Henderson in this offense. This could just be another where it's Akers, the guy that they use, but the timeshare may be split a little bit closer than some people think. Yeah, and this team is notorious for using a highly consolidated snap share among the players. Running back was the one position where they, at times, were willing to split it evenly, even while guys were healthy. So I like Akers at an ADP. Henderson will contribute. They also drafted a kid, Kyron Williams, who probably had the most disappointing combine in recent memory. I mean, there was a lot of hype about him coming in. And he had a pretty bad combine, but sometimes those players turn out to just be gamers. So it's still a name you got to keep on the back burner. But I mean, John, that combine, man, what happened? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know what's going on there, Coop, truthfully. Four, six, five. Dude, he had his player profiler has his speed score based on his combine ninth percentile, which is just, I mean, he's not, he measured in under 200 pounds. People thought he was at, people thought he was going to either be over 200 pounds and slow or at least un- or under 200 pounds and fast. He turned out to be small and slow, which is just not the combination we look for. I don't think he's really a threat to either of these guys. Akers is the guy you want if he gets hurt. Henderson, that's yep. the way I look at yep. it. Raiders, Josh Jacobs is the guy that I, you and I have talked a lot about. When you get into a Josh McDaniels offense, the yardage may not always be there for you, but generally the touchdowns have been there for the lead running back in that offense. And I know, of course, you have a, a nice stat to throw out there regarding a McDaniels offense and how they use their running back. Yeah, I mean, two, two, 20 years now, they've never had a guy have over 200 carries and 35-plus receptions. So the last guys to do it were Robert Edwards, the rookie who tore his knee up at that stupid, like, sophomore, rookie sophomore beach football game back in 1999, and Curtis Martin when he was on the Patriots. This is all under peak Harrell we're talking about. This the system, the Erhard Perkins system is a split backfield. I think we will see Josh Jacobs in that Damian Harris role. I think Kenyon Drake's probably gonna operate in the James White role. If he isn't, that's why they brought in Brandon Bolden. That's why they brought in Amir Adula. So it kind of presents a low upside situation. At the same time, Damian Harris in half PPR was an RB1 last year. In standard he was an RB1 because he scored a ton of touchdowns. This is supposed to be a very good offense. So Jacobs could be worth it on that alone, just don't expect Jacobs to be a guy that's also catching 50 passes because that's just not been the MO of this offense. It's built on deception. They do it on purpose because they want you to think it's a run when Jacobs is in. They want you to think it's a pass when Kenya Drake is in, and then they kind of pull your pants down with play action or the screen. If you have one guy, you lose that deception. That's the whole point of it. And that's why, despite having guys like Deion Lewis that could do everything, they the Patriots never did that. So I expect a split, but Again, there might be some upside there. I just think that people are sleeping on Kenyon Drake, given that he could potentially have a James White type role. And James White, at times, was a guy he caught a pass in every single game going back to 2018. He's been an RB1 in that offense. So I wouldn't sleep on Kenyon Drake. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that's kind of an interesting spot for him as well, for sure. If we're going down, we have the Miami Dolphins here. They signed four running backs this offseason, something like that. They signed Chase yeah. Edmonds, Sony Michelle, Ryan Mostert. Uh, I guess that's three. And then they also had Gaskins already there. Edmonds has been playing the lead back role in this offense throughout camp. I think they just sort of solidified into there. We know Mostert has the familiarity with the system coming over from San Francisco with the coach. Sonny Michelle is the biggest, bigger of the two backs. We saw him have success last year with the Rams. 
Yeah, I think we watched Miles Gaskin play very deep into the first preseason game, so you can kind of cross him out. I, they have no loyalty to him. They're not. That's not their guy. He's seventh round pick. I think it's the three guys at the top there. Chase Edmonds, they paid him a lot of money. I think he's going to get the first crack. Raheem Mostert knows the offense. He's a guy that can be explosive at times, but I think they're going to want to limit him just given his injury history. And then the question is whether Sonny Michelle muddles the whole thing up by being their goal line back. It could be a three-headed monster. Chase Edmonds is the one I'm most interested in. I will take a stab on Mostert in best ball just because, I mean, he has set some of the fastest on-field time, on field times over the last couple of years. I mean, he had the two fastest the year before last and even last year before he got hurt. Still look kind of good. He gets hurt pretty early, but that's his MO. It's just, you hate when it's such a mess like this, but that's the way it is sometimes. You got to take a stab on somebody. Yep. I think Edmonds is the guy we're going with. If you're late in drafts, I think Michelle yeah. is interesting, but this is something where we always talk about a draft as late as you can, because at some point, something is going to happen to this running back group. Like we're going to get more clarity whether it be Moser gets injured, Michelle gets cut, Moser gets cut, Gaskins, like we're going to find out obviously before week one kicks off something to monitor. And if you can delay your drafts as long as you can, it's always a good strategy. Do it. The Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook Dalvin across Dalvin the board. Cook. Yeah. yeah, let's move on. Well, actually, no, I just want to say one thing real quick. There is some hype coming out about Keen Wangu. We've seen the guys that break out. They kind of always start by like running back a huge kick. Alvin Kamara still has the longest kick return in history for the Saints. David Johnson was running back kicks. Des Bryant, Randy Moss running back punts and stuff. That's kind of where these guys prove they flash. He did flat. He ran Kenny Wingo, I think, ran two back last year and he ran back a bunch of college. So we could be losing the greatest handcuff in the game here. If it's not, it makes you sleep easy at night when it was Dalvin Cook. And then Madison comes in to be an RB1. And then Madison goes right back to the bench. This Nuangu stuff is kind of throwing me for a loop. I mean, I don't think either Madison or Hine can really be, they have no standalone value. But, you know, they might be stepping on each other's toes if Dalvin gets hurt. And he's, Dalvin's been hurt every single year. Something to think about. Yep, I agree with you there. If we're going down, we have the New England Patriots now backfield situation. Damian yes. Harris, Ramondre Stevenson still involved. James White has since retired, leaving open the passing down two-minute drill role. This is just a huge mess, bro. Like, do you, okay, let me ask you. We're both Patriots fans. It's tough to get a read on it. Harris versus Ramondre Stevenson. Is there a real possibility that Ramondre Stevenson is the is the front runner for that early down role and the potential starter? I do think so. I think that their lack, the fact that they didn't pick up the contract there on Harris, he's a free agent at the end of this year. It feels like their Stevenson is the next man up for them, and he's shown the ability to. I know you say they don't like to throw those backs, but he has shown some pass catching ability. He's a raw, strong runner. We saw him fill in for Damian Harris when needed to. He could score touchdowns. He could run between the tackles. He had a little, he had some breakaway potential there as well. It wouldn't shock me if Stevenson's someone that takes over the role, just because again. This is how this Patriots backfield sort of runs. Harris is likely hitting free agency this year at the end of this year and likely going to be somewhere else. Yeah, it's crazy. And then on the pass catching side, now they're saying that it's Ty Montgomery in the lead for that James White rule. Pierre Strong was a guy I was hoping would get it. And then you have Kendrick Bourne coming out saying that he loves the new offense and he's going to be getting a bunch of carries. It could honestly just be a situation where Stevenson and Harris are both rotating on early downs and Montgomery and Strong and Kendrick Bourne, they're all over the place. It's just, at least in past years, we knew it was split right down the middle where James White's doing the pass work and Sonny Michelle's doing the running down work and you just know what you're getting. This year, we don't even know that much. Like this year, it's one of the biggest messes it's been in a while. We'll have to see how it shakes out. 
But if Ty Montgomery gets that passing down role, he could be a value deep deeper in drafts. Harris and, and Stevenson, you're rolling the dice, picking either one, hoping that, I don't know, maybe there's a trade or an injury. But if yeah. that were just split, it could be pretty ugly. It feels like Montgomery's got the lead for that. That's I think it does. I think it does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Saints, you have Alvin Kamara, you got Mark Ingram. Kamara doesn't seem like he's going to get suspended based off what some of the recent reports are. It's full systems go. We know how they're going to play that role. Yeah, if Kamara doesn't get suspended, then pretty much any best ball draft that happened in May is ruined. Because his ADP has ticked up recently, especially since they suspended that court case. Like, they keep pushing it out. So now he is going in, like, the second and third round, which I think is where he should go. But, I mean, if he doesn't get suspended, wheels up. Yeah, I will say that that they do run, or they did run, an offense with Drew Brees where the goal line backfield situation for them oftentimes included Camara with the other running back. In in their goal situation, they could very well have Ingram lined up in the backfield, Camara sort of lined up split next to him, and they use both. I remember Latavius Murray's just vulturing touchdown after touchdown, it felt like, in those sets. Something to watch there for Ingram where the majority of the work is certainly Alvin Camara, but he could still find some touchdown upside. Yep, for sure. And Jameis is coming off the ACL. He never was very mobile anyway. I just, I'm actually fine with the two backs and Mark Ingram scoring every once in a while, as long as just get Taysom Hill out of my face. I'm right. so tired well, of that. He's a tight end I'm, now. So. I'm done with that. So no more Taysom Hill rushing touchdowns, please. Yep. That's all I care about. Then Mark Ingram can vulture a couple and that'd be fine with that. I agree with you. One of the fastest risers, it feels like over the last couple of weeks, Saquon Barkley, New York Giants. He's healthy. They only have really mad Breida behind him. A full systems go for Barkley for better or for worse. Yeah, I mean, Brian Dibble coming over from the Bills, like that's what we were talking about. What if that offense is good and Daniel Jones is okay? And now you have a bat, uh, now you have the situation we talked about where it's not Josh Allen stealing all the touchdowns. They're all going to Saquon. This offense has been the worst team in terms of touchdowns over the last two years, the fewest number of offensive touchdowns last two years. So I think there's room for improvement and Saquon is Saquon. He's the dude. Do you have any interest in rostering? How deep a league does it have to be for you to roster like a Matt Breed or somebody like that? Even if you have Saquon or not, or Gary Uh, Brightwell or any of these guys. Yeah, 16. Yeah, I think that's about right. 16 teams. I wouldn't have to go with them otherwise. Jets. Sandro Platzgummer from you. None of that. No. (laughs) Okay. Go to the Jets. Reese Hall, Michael Carter. Yeah, man. I mean, they have Tevin Coleman on the roster still, but I I don't believe they're going to use him at all. Nah, if they didn't use him last year, when he came over knowing the playbook, he came over with the coaches, then I doubt they're going to use him. He got hurt again. Shocker. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, this one, Brees Hall is a more interesting one. You draft Brees Hall. You don't draft a guy in the second round. You draft a guy in the fourth round. If you go and draft a guy in the second round the very next year, that's the guy, right? So Brees Hall is the one that's most interesting for me. I'm not really drafting Michael Carter at all. He's not even that big of a guy, so it's not like he can really be the vulture. I think Brees Hall is the guy. So. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Philadelphia Eagles, the one that breaks my soul here. Miles Sanders is going to be the one that likely carries the ball between the 20s, but any sort of scoring volume likely goes the wayside. Yeah, I wrote a whole article on this. You can check it out. Miles Sanders did get a bunch of goal line touches that he didn't do anything with earlier in the year. He split them with Jalen Hurts. It was not Boston Scott early on. And then what happened is Sanders rolled his ankle, Jalen Hurts rolled his ankle, and that's when Boston Scott and Jordan Howard got all those touches. So I'm really not interested in Boston Scott because of that. Miles Sanders at his AP ADP is interesting because he's always been a good back, super efficient, 5.2 yards per carry last year, 5.5. But Kenneth Game looks good, man. As a pass catching back, he's too interesting. I kind of like Sanders and Gainwell at their ADP, but Jalen Hurts is always lurking 
to to vulture those touchdowns as well. It would be beautiful if we got Gardner Minshew instead of Hurts. It would rise the stock of Sanders and game one. It just could be it could be a little too dicey there. So if you're somebody who really likes to draft running backs that you can trust, I don't think the Eagles got one. Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent there. It's as sad as it is. Yeah, uh, running backs we can trust though. Pittsburgh Steelers not yeah, across the board, he's the best at everything that they do there. They're talking about the way they talk about how they're going to try and limit his carries is it's interesting because like he he knows he needs to play a little less. The running back coach Eddie Faulkner came out and said he needs to play whatever seven less snaps a game. But then Eddie Faulkner was like, it's hard because you have this guy who's the best at everything. So for me, I'm not taking the gas off Najee Harris because they told us that it's not a split situation. So I'm in on Najee. Anybody else intrigue you at all from that roster? No, John. Me neither. It's bad line, bad line, bad, really a bad quarterback. Benny Snell has been terrible. Anthony McFarlane is so. No, yeah, we're uh, wasting too much time already. Let's go to the 49ers right, where yeah, let's move on. I think it's a little bit interesting. We have Elijah Mitchell. We know he's the guy that's going to get the workload, but there's been some injury pop-ups for him. And it's a backfield that certainly rotates their backs at time, though they have committed to Mitchell whenever he's been healthy. They drafted Tyrion Davis-Price. They still have Jeff Wilson. They have Sermon from last year who they had no interest in using after realizing that he just wasn't any good. But it leaves us with a question that you and I were trying to figure out before we started recording is, who is the passing down back on this team? And you kind of have an interesting take on that. I mean, like the thing is, it's not, I don't like it. And, but like all the numbers suggest that the guy that plays the most on passing downs is Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, he played over 300 snaps on pass downs. Nobody played more than 200. He led all the running backs in targets and receptions, 38. And the guy who was second to Michael Hastie's not even on the team anymore. Elijah Mitchell really wasn't used in the pass game all that much. There could be a situation where now that they bring in Ty Davis price, TDP, they talked about how they want to use them on short downs. Maybe they do convert Elijah Mitchell to a pass catching back and TDP becomes the short yards back. But I don't know. I think they like Kyle use And I think what's going to happen is it's just going to keep using him as that guy that can block better than anybody else. And he can catch the ball. Okay. Too Mitchell's I think is a guy you want use check is not a usable fantasy player. He's just not, he's just not going to be consistent enough and the question is whether Ty Davis Price is going to be the goal line vulture or not. All I know is that whoever ends up being the starting running back for this team running behind Trent Williams, who had last year one of the greatest lineman seasons that we've seen, there's profit to be at, especially with the RPOs and stuff they're running with Trey Lance. Like there are going to be plays that are just you and no, nothing but open skies with running behind that line with a mobile quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Yep, I agree with you there. Seattle Seahawks. I hate this Rashad one. Penny have the monster year to end the year. They then went and drafted Kenneth Walker, now dealing with a sports hernia, but expected to be ready for week one. How are you handling this backfield? Right now, I'm drafting Rashad Penny, and I'm not drafting Kenneth Walker. I need to wait. If I have a draft today, can I draft a guy that has a mysterious procedure? What is that? They said, they were like, oh, I think he has a hernia. And then they go, he had a procedure, but it's not a hernia procedure. Can you just tell us what the procedure was? Like, what was it? What happened? Yeah, and it depends on who you believe, right? Like the team or some team reporters have said week one, but then the fantasy doc, Dr. Chow, said that it could be six weeks. Yeah, so forget that. I'm not trying to play Dr. Chow's Wheel of Fortune here. Like, I'll take Rashad Penny right now because I know he's healthy. He looked good last year. We didn't even know if Kenneth Walker was going to be the guy over him. I think given where the Seahawks are right now, Kenneth Walker was a terrible draft pick. Like, why are you 
drafting a running back that is a shortest shelf life of any position before you even know who your quarterback in the future is going to be. It's just, I think that's telling for this quarterback market, right? Like they did not like any of the quarterbacks in this draft. They were mm-hmm. fully ready and okay with tanking away this season to get maybe the number one pick to use it on a quarterback next year. Yeah, so why do you draft a running back? Just so well, crazy. Well, he's, sh- he's on the one-year deal too. So you just tank and you just draft a running back later. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you're right. You're right. These They don't look at it the way we look at it. They might really like Kenneth Walker. I think that's why he was so interesting to me. But now with this injury and the bad offense and the whole deal, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. All I can tell you is I'm not interested in any of the DJ Dallas's or Travis Homers. One of them could be the pass catching back. DJ yeah. Dallas was a guy that I picked up last year in a must. Nobody else is on the waiver wire pinch. And he actually had, he had one decent game and I ended up having him on my roster. So massive tournament contrapuntal DFS. Play right. Is what yeah. He, does. he had one so. game where he had like a handful of catches and ran back a kick. Yeah, uh, he, got he had that one massive play. Like he busted that 68 yard or something like that. I remember that. I remember that game. But yeah, I just don't know. I don't know. It, it, consistency is what we need. That's what the catches bring. And there's no consistency. Yeah, I don't know. In that backfield. I no, don't I, agree, I agree with you. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where it's Leonard Fournette's job until he gets hurt. And then in, it's what Rashad White, I guess, would probably be the guy behind him because it's not going to be Keyshawn Vaughn. It's not going to be Giovanni Bernard taking the early down work. Yeah. Gio didn't even really do anything last year. He just didn't. He, he, was well, he got impressive. hurt. He got hurt. And then and yeah. Fournette can do everything that he can do. So exactly. Why would they ever take him off the field? The question, I guess, now is like, is Tom Brady the quarterback? Because right. he's taking this leave of absence during preseason and they seem to don't know when he's going to come back. We obviously had all the reports come out that he was trying to go to Miami, and that's one of the reasons why he pulled the power play this offseason get, to get Arians fired. I mean, I'm sure Tom Brady will be back. Don't get me wrong. But right. who knows what's going on in that locker room right now? It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I mean, if just real quick, if Brady doesn't play, Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Trask, what's, what do you think, man? What's happening there? I mean, I'm not – I don't know. Yeah, probably. Huh. Trask? I like – Trask, maybe. I don't know. Let's. Uh, we got two. What do we got? Two, three teams left. Yeah, we got a couple teams left to go. We have a Tennessee yeah. Titans, Derrick Henry across the board. That one's pretty easy. It's the Commanders that I think is the one that we should spend more well, time on here. Let me just real quick. We got to do our due diligence. Hassan Haskins has looked good catching the ball. That's what I'll say about the Titans. And then we sure. That's fine. They're not gonna. They're not gonna throw to him enough for him to nope. matter though. You're right. They're not. They're they right. never threw to the pass catching running back in this offense. And nope. Derrick Henry actually last year was on pace for a career high in receptions before he got hurt. Yeah, they had Deion Lewis. They didn't do it. But if there is an injury, basically all that tells you is that Dontrell Hilliard will probably get the run work, and then Haskins will do the rest, and it'll just be. Did they even throw to the running back when Henry was out, though? Did whomever was next to Foreman catch the football? Nope. Nope. That's how I, so, that's how I feel. I don't think Haskins yeah. is worth anything. Truthfully. Well, in Dynasty, long term. Sure. But maybe. probably not. Maybe. But yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, like, but probably not. Probably not. Um, they'll probably try and find a new derrick henry at that point exactly the, the way the offense runs they don't throw to the running back commanders is the interesting one to me because you have antonio gibson you have jd mckissick you have brian robinson now involved and gibson by all accounts hasn't really looked good during camp they've said they want to use robinson in short yardage and what i would imagine would be goal situations which means that leaves gibson in between the 20s which puts him in like miles sanders territory when it comes to value of carries and they brought back J.D. McKissick to play third down and pass catching roles. So, like, where do you value these running backs? Yeah, I mean, man, Gibson, he's been fumbling the ball in yep. practice, getting himself benched. 
McKissick, I would have moved Gibson up at least around in my rankings had McKissick gone to the Bills like he was supposed to. But him being back, man, he's just a good he's a good pass catcher. He played wide receiver in college. He was a better wide receiver in college than Gibson. So I like McKissick best out of all these guys. Brian Robinson is just something that goes in there that scares me away from Gibson. Just the fact that it even exists. I don't really understand want. the hate for Brian Robinson that like some people are giving. Now, the detractors to Brian Robinson have been, it basically took his final year for him to break out and do anything with Alabama. But you look at his measurables, like 6'2", 225, ran a 4'5", which is pretty decent for a guy that size. He's a power back. He had a good final year in Alabama. He's And they've already said he's going to be a short yardage guy Generally, short yardage guy also equals goal line sort of work. Another touchdown potential could be there. And if Gibson isn't running well, then why would they not just feed this guy the football? They use the third round pick on him. Yeah. I mean, I don't dislike Brian Robinson because I, you know why everyone's down on him. It's because they want Antonio Gibson to be. They want Antonio Gibson. I'm reading his NFL.com profile report. It's hilarious. Built like linebacker, runs like a freight train. Breaks tackles and grinds down the front with power. <laughs> night, the next night, trading lane, dude. I mean, he <laughs> like, is. He's built like Gus Edwards. That's probably his best comparable player. And Gus Edwards is a good player. Gus Edwards is a great player. Ah. McKissick's the one I like best at his ADP. Uh, I'm not taking Antonio Gibson. And yeah, I just 100 targets find, last year. Right, I don't find myself taking Brian Robinson just because he's. I just don't. Well, did that like for us guys. in our FBC uh, league. So yeah, that's fine. Deep enough, you got to take stabs. So it's basically you're in a world where there's the starter. When you have this situation where there's a starter and there's a pass catcher and then there's a guy whose upside is touchdown vulture, you have to make sure it's a deep enough best ball type league because those guys are end up being like Mike Tolbert, where it's fun when they score, but when are they going to score? That's the problem. That's the problem with the, with the Brian Robinson types. Yep, I agree with you 100%. So that's it. That's the running back questionnaire there, Coop. I know you'll have an article out in this graph out for everybody as they break it down, give everybody a scope of how these running backs could figure into each team's system and how maybe you go about looking at drafting for depth, drafting for starting potential, and filling needs on your fantasy rosters. Yeah, I mean, I feel good about it. I'm going to finish it up, get it up there. And I'll tell people, last year, I had Cordero Patterson in the pass down slot and the two-minute drill slot, but I wasn't drafting him anywhere. Like, in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to do that. And it just, I never was taking him. But luckily, I got him off waivers in a couple spots like everybody else. But this will help you visualize that, and you might look at it. And even if you look at it differently, if you look at mine and say you disagree, that can give you a leg up if you're right. If you say, you know what? I listened to you guys talk on the podcast, and I really do think it's Eno Benjamin over Terrell Williams. If you believe that and it turns out to be true, you could hit the jackpot. Use it to your advantage. Just look at it and see if it changes the way you think about anything, because that's really why we do all these exercises and we provide them for you guys. Get in there. Check that out. Check out the target totem pole. and Let's win some leaks. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Make sure you check it all out. Also, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. We're now on Castos, and that sends it out to Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. It's all there for you guys to go out and follow. You can also listen to this podcast now on YouTube as well. So go ahead. If you're not yet subscribed to the Fantasy Alarm YouTube channel, please go ahead. Do video helps us out a lot there. And Coop, I think we before we end this, we missed to say a couple of plugs here. One. Our fantasy football draft guide is completely free. Our fantasy football cheat sheet, completely free. And we also right now 50% off of our all pro access package for the NFL 50 using promo code there for the NFL season. It's the first six months, which basically takes you through the NFL season. Use pro code NFL 50. You get 50% off the monthly price. A lot of great things happening right now over at Fantasy Zone. 
Yeah. And that, so with, with the draft guide, it's free, which is amazing. We've never done that before. Check that out. If you like that content, that's what you're getting with the season long is that it's, and it goes through DFS. If you play DFS, you, you definitely should 50% off. Should yeah, get it includes that because, all sports. It's not just NFL. Yeah. So as much as we killed the NFL DFS season last year, we had a millionaire winner. We had a guy win 350 grand last year as well. We all, that includes our NBA, our NHL, our MLB rest of the season, our NASCAR, our three-time writer of the year. Yeah. Everything is included in the NASCAR is the biggest one, right? We got Matt Sells. Yeah. Three out of the last four years, the NASCAR DFS Raider of the Year. The guy is an absolute wizard with that stuff, and he's made me a bunch of money. If you're into what we do here, that package is going to be exactly what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, it's and like it $19.99 a month for the first six months with pr- promo code NFL50. You really you can't beat that. So yeah. You uh, get in the Discord. You get into all the chats with Howard's in there every yeah. day. I'm in there. You and I um, on Sundays, we, an- we yeah. answer your start sick questions live on the live stream, premium Discord only. You can get that for 19 bucks a month. Done. Easy. Easiest decision you can make. So go ahead, check that out. Go to fantasyarm.com, hit the pricing button, take advantage of that. It's a month-to-month pra- package there, code NFL50. But for now, Coop and I will catch you guys later.